Hi, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, everybody, wherever you may be sitting, tuning in and watching. Uh, this is another Tech Talk Travel Collective session together with our members, our great hotels of the world and guest centric. Uh, and with that, I'd like to introduce or add to the conversation, Mr. Pedro Calaco. How are you, Pedro? Lovely Hi, to see Andre. you again. Good to see you. How's things? You well? Yeah, things are good. Things are good. Uh, given good. everything that's going on, obviously. <laughs> yeah, all right. Good, good. Well, we'll get we'll get into that in just a moment. I'd like to also introduce today's guest who is joining us is Ms. Daniela Hupfeld. Daniela, hi, how are you? It's lovely to see you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Very, very welcome. It's my pleasure. Excellent. Now, Daniela, you're with uh, Pierre and Vacan based out of Mallorca, if I'm correct. I'm based out of Mallorca. The office is in Barcelona. Correct. <laughs> Excellent. Well, lovely to have you joining us. Thank you so much. So Pierre, uh, Pierre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pedro. All right, Pedro. Let's get let's get into it. So Pedro, last time we had a uh, this hoteliers pulse report session, we we discussed uh, I think a general sense that there was uh, calm in the market considering the current circumstances that everybody was facing. Um, calm, perhaps, is uh, I don't know if that's really the right word, but I think it's more of a an acceptance. Everyone realizes what we're facing. However, this time, I think, uh, obviously, we're coming into Christmas. Uh, Europe is uh, becoming to lock down again. It's becoming a little bit more stricter in terms of how people can travel and get around. So I'd like to really just kind of throw to you first and find out from this month's uh, Hotelier Pulse report, actually from November's report, whether or not uh, you saw some major differences based on last month's and, and what you might see coming for the remainder of this year and, and perhaps moving into the beginning of, uh, of next year? Sure. Um, so I think sort of the, the big takeaway uh, from from uh, November's growth report, I don't know if you can show my screen or if I... Uh, yes, I certainly uh, it, can. I, for me, th this is probably the graphic that, that is, uh, is, uh, is most um, telling, which is this, the second wave is coming also in terms of sentiment in the industry, right? The red line is... Um, the people that, you know, uh, reply to the question of what statement best describes the current state of your hotel today and shut down. So we're now approaching 40%. This was, these were inquiries in, in November. Uh, and we see a, a big spike in people that say that their markets are in shutdown. And, um, and this is the second wave coming. I think, um, as we were discussing a little bit earlier, I think the second wave is much more realistic for hotels. So um, when we try to talk to our members, when we reach out to people, uh, a lot of hotels have truly shut down now in December, and uh, and many of them won't reopen uh, for a few months. So I think um, while the first wave was sort of anxious, um, not knowing what was going to happen, but still sort of um, not optimistic but hopeful, hopeful that that you know the summer would be okay and everything would be okay. We know that you know there's going to be not a lot of demand coming for hotels in Europe um, uh, through the winter now, and therefore people are, I think, shutting truly down, really trying to cut costs to the maximum, and um, and that obviously is not good for the industry, but it is what it is, and I think we just have all to face it. And um, at the tail end of this, there's good news: vaccines are there. You know, there's good stuff coming in 2021 that will. Will, will lead us to recovery, but we know that the next few months are going to be difficult. So I do expect this red line on this graph to keep going up in December and in January. 
Mm-hmm. And even though with the vaccines now coming in, I mean, we we recognise that they're now available, but I think it's going to be going to uh, a certain audience perhaps first or a certain segment of people before the general public. Even once that started to kick in, I still think it might take some time before we see sentiment really start to bounce back. Are you getting the same type of feeling from the hoteliers that you speak with as well? How do they feel about the news on the vaccine? Because that that came out since our last session, pretty much. And about the- absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, it's interesting because as soon as the vaccine came out, we actually confirmed the group uh, for October 2021 for one uh-huh. of our hotels, a big group of Germans uh, flying into Southern Europe. Uh, for October 2021, so I do think that, uh, especially in the in the in the groups business, in sort of the longer term, uh, people that have to plan longer in advance, people are already you know getting the gears in place. But uh, this is sort of a, a if you look now at the screen, this is sort of a, a, a another another way of looking at the second wave, where very quickly, if you look at um, the green line, which is not very clear to it's people saying, oh, I'm going to open in three months or more. Um, basically, that declined very quickly in the first wave um, where people were saying, no, I'm going to open next month. I'm going to open next month. I'm going to open next month. Now, you know, the green line, which is, okay, I'm shut down and I'm only opening in three months or more is actually the, the biggest expectation. So people are going to be shutting down for a little bit longer, um, uh, which is sort of the, the, the reverse of or, or in line with, with that red line that I showed earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, where basically markets are going to shut down and they're going to shut down for a longer period of time. On the other hand, I think that we do see some activity on some segments, like I was just saying on the group segment, where people have to plan in advance because they have to plan air capacity. They have to plan a bunch of other stuff, right? And and we're seeing some movement there. So, so it's hopeful there. And, mm-hmm. and I do think that the vaccine is the thing that made people more active now. Mm-hmm. Okay, great, um, Daniela. From your perspective, how are you seeing it? Uh, what's the what's the sentiment where, where you're based, and from the, the your clients and the people that you speak with? Not much different. Um, when we're looking at, obviously, I'm working in in Spain, and we have many hotels that are seasonal, so we're closing the end of October anyway. Um, what has happened though is that we closed many hotels earlier. Um, and we're planning to open them later. And the ones that we usually keep open over the winter, like for example, in Benidorm, where we have many people that like kind of um, retire there for over the winter period from Northern Europe, and they remain close. And what really, what was very difficult for us now is that um, the winter hotels that we, for example, have in Andorra, now uh, delay the opening ways because the ski slopes don't open. Um, mm. We're hoping at least for, you know, two two-week period for Christmas, New Year. Normally, winter is a very strong season. And, of course, that has now been cut. And, uh, yes, of course, um, we still have a few reservations on the books, but it's only a question of time, I suppose, until they get cancelled. And, of course, for the people, um, we have people that work in summer, in the summer hotels, in the winter and winter hotels, for example. So now they they can't work at all. Um, That's been really, really hard. So we're planning overall, or I'm still hoping a bit for Semana Santa, speaking Easter. Um, But... In all fairness, my personal belief is that at least not with all the hotels that we achieve an opening there. And I do think that even if we can travel for Easter, um, I don't think many people will because in many people, many uh, countries, they simply don't have the money. 
due to all the um, the unemployment now and the um, the ETA or the short working times and um, so I would rather see that in May June hopefully and yes mm -hmm. the vaccine it's good news, but I take it more on a good news in a sense of everybody's health. But uh, as you said, and before everybody is vaccinated, who wants to be vaccinated, um, it'll take some more time because first the risk groups going to be done, which is absolutely correct, of course. And then you need to see till you get air traffic back online because we are in the south um, going to, to our hotels by cars. When you come from Germany or England or whatever, you need planes. We've got islands. So it's... Um, I'm, uh, yeah, the first wave was a bit like, oh, we get through this and let's be all motivated and summer is coming and everything is cool. Uh, and now it's going along with the winter season, the darker times, blah, blah, everybody knows that uh, it's 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 hitting every day. And I find also that the team's much more difficult to, um, you know, to keep them motivated. Um, people don't earn their full salaries in Spain. I don't know how it is in, in other countries, but uh, the administration is a little bit behind in paying the support money so people find it very difficult to pay their rents and never even speak about buying presents for their children so um it's uh, it's rather depressive we keep positive of course and we try to use the time and i've also made that experience with other colleagues to use the time to get ready because as pedro said it will hit us last minute and not being ready then then you have to demand and you're not ready and then you're losing out again and that is i think the worst thing that can happen to any hotel that if the chance is there you're not can you can't make use of it yeah uh, before and if we... i can just add to that uh, andre one, one other thing is because um if you look at the centimetrics they're really pointing all in the wrong direction and we're all going to get very depressed if we only talk about that right uh, i think that there are a few silver linings one is obviously bookings are way down right but the reality is bookings are still flowing and we still have hotels that have remained open and have kept, you know, if you compare stay nights in November versus stay nights in November 2019, it's 25%. Now, um, so obviously 25% is very hard to run a hotel at 25%. But on the other hand, you know, not all hotels are open. So if a lot of the inventory shuts down, it's going to open up opportunities for the inventory that stays open and that actually can capture still that demand because there's reduced demand, but demand is not down to zero, right? And I do think that there are some strategies that hotels can continue to run um, to do so. Um, the second sort of signal that, you know, it's more of an, uh, it's not a signal from the from the, the, the Pulse report itself, but from the conversations that we've had uh, with, with our host VAs is that um, there's a newfound focus on F&B, right? Because F&B, you know, even with lockdowns, this, that, and the other, it seems that there are still some outlets that at least have the keep the cash flowing and keep the uh, a hotel open and at least you're keeping the maintenance up and you know your your space is heated and you, when you reopen it's not going to be a nightmare to reopen so i think that we're seeing more hoteliers saying how could you help us promote our restaurants uh, what should we do to do more in f and b uh, uh, and, and I think that there's even small hotels, right. That have a really tiny restaurant. They're, they're, they're still saying, well, you know, lunches have been really great. Dinner's not so much because of the lockdown and the curfews, but lunches have been really great. So, so I think you have to look for what are the opportunities to at least keep your business working and you keep sort of a, a sense of, you know, obviously restricted normalcy, but a, a sense of normalcy in your business, because that's going to be very helpful, help, very important for the teams. And it's going to be very important for the, for, 
for when recovery happens because there's so much pent up demand, right? We've seen a, sort of a, a very reasonable um, uh, Black Friday bookings, right? Mm -hmm. So Black Friday was good, was it wasn't obviously the same as 2019, but it was very reasonable. So so there's pent up demand there. It's all going to show up at the same time when the planes are back in the air and. Uh, and if you and if you are you know if you have anything open in your business and you have a, a team working, you're going to be better prepared to take to capture that demand. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, we're seeing. Uh, I think the report shows that there's a steady rise in hoteliers expecting to financially recover in 2022. Yeah. Uh, but I think the latest edition shows that there's an increase in hotels that are expecting to financially recover to at least 2019 levels. Really, and I think realistically in 2023, I think that's, yeah. I think everyone kind of is on the same page with that one. Um, so I, I guess, Daniela, from your perspective, based on the situation in the region that you're sitting in, would you say that this is also a realistic expectation? And uh, is there anything that, you, that, that could happen in the new year, in your opinion, that, that might be able to change that timeline? Well, hopefully not in the wrong direction, but um, <laughs> yes, no, but uh, it could, things could happen that really change it badly, but we, we won't even think about that. But um, yes, um, uh, it obviously also depends. Are you an independent smaller hotel maybe, or are you part of a big group like we are? Um, but fully recovery back to 2019 levels um, depends really on where you're sitting. I think city hotels probably will have it a bit more difficult this time around than the the leisure hotels and the coast because I think that people will try to to get away on a break if they can somehow afford it and I think that probably the leisure hotels will be back sooner than the, the city hotels um, because I also believe that I mean, we'll be seeing what we're doing here now. I think many companies, many people have discovered that many things can be done online now. And maybe the meetings with the 10, 15 to 25 people, they can be a video conference. I see also, as Pedro mentioned, uh, groups business and maybe bigger meetings. As soon as it's safe, I can, that, I can see that coming back because that gets a bit difficult online. But I do believe uh, to come back to 2019 levels, yes, it will take us two to three years for sure. Um, and then it's always a question, how do you capture that coming back demand? And I think there we will see uh, some doing really, really well and recover earlier because they just manage to convert that demand at the right prices to their business. And others might simply lose out because they're not been ready, because they might be a little bit too late in certain things, or they they simply panic and slash prices far too early and end up with a lot of low-rated business, which might not have been necessary at that point. Mm. Pedro, yeah, I see I, you agreeing. Yeah, no, I agree wholeheartedly with, with Daniela because I, what I think is important now is really to you know not panic, right? Uh, we know bookings are way down. Uh, but, you know, there's no point in slashing price because there's no demand, right? The, the demand that exists actually is fairly good demand. The people that are still traveling are people that want to travel and that are mostly affluent or they need to travel. So they're not price sensitive uh, necessarily, right? I think also, uh, I think Daniela made an excellent point, which is city center hotel, the, the city center hotel mix is very different from resorts or what I've been calling hinterland hotels, right? People have been trying to escape from cities because they've been stuck in apartments for so long. And, and I think what we're seeing there is that domestic travel, domestic leisure travel 
is really something that people need to capitalize on. So if you have sort of an, an, an escapist hotel, if you will, um, we have some regions in our in our portfolio that did actually better in twenty in twenty twenty than twenty nineteen. So 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 I do think that there are some of those opportunities, but those are small smaller hotels in in sort of a escaping from the the, the city. Uh, I think resort hotels did reasonably well this summer, and 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 if they cap if they if they do you know focus on domestic travel where there's a lot less travel restrictions they're going to have a reasonable summer in 2021. Also, I think city center hotels are very, very um, tied to air capacity. And obviously yeah. the news of Lufthansa slashing 20% of their capacity permanently, uh, you know, Iberia doing the same thing are obviously not good news. Um, but um, but it, it is what it is. We can't expect that we're going to go back to 2019, but we can have very nice profitable businesses with, uh, you know, without numbers like 2019. So uh, I think we were also very used to being in a very, very good spot. If we're in a good spot, that's okay too, right? We don't need to be mm. in a very, very good spot. Mm. There's an interesting comment here from a, a user on LinkedIn. Unfortunately, I can't see their name, um, but they are in Hawaii. So thank you very much for tuning in from there. It's lovely to have you with us. Um, they're saying local hoteliers in Hawaii are saying that they won't see 29 occupancy levels at least until 24 or 25. We have a, we have a big partner in Hawaii, and and it's really it's it's uh, so Hawaii lives a lot from the Japanese um, tourists, yeah. and uh, it's really going to be very difficult right now. Mm. Uh, Health wise, actually, the islands have been doing better than the continents, right? And uh, and we've seen that around because it's obviously easier to control your borders. But I think it's also been very difficult for them to because there's no domestic travel, right? There's not enough inhabitants in Hawaii. To fill the large hotels that exist in Hawaii, so exactly what I wanted to say as well. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also think they rely very heavily on a lot of U.S. mainland tourists as yeah. well. And obviously, given the circumstances in the U.S. at the moment, that's I I think is probably a fair assessment. Twenty four, twenty five would be perhaps quite realistic. Okay, very good. We have another question here from uh, David Chesler, who is also based out of. Uh, uh, at the US. David, lovely to have you here with us. Thanks for joining. His question is, what about younger adults able to work remote and are nomads? Uh, interesting question, especially given the fact that we have uh, a lot of uh, hotel companies now coming up with different uh, models to suit perhaps more nomad lifestyle people, um, subscription-based models like uh, Citizen M, for example. Are you also seeing a similar type of sentiment in uh, your hotel uh, base, Pedro, and also uh, Daniela? Actually, I think um, the subs I, I think there's this willingness or this hopefulness in the in our in our uh, customer base, especially the larger groups, that a subscription model could work. That I could, you know, on Black Friday, buy, buy a thousand euros, two thousand euros of nights, and that I would spend them over the next year. Um, I'm not sure that the consumers there right now, especially with all the seesaw recovery, right? Lockdown, no lockdown, lockdown, no lockdown, airports, no airports. Mm. Um, but but I do think that there's going to be a big push by the bigger groups to move in, into that area. And we know that we can train consumers to do certain things, right? We can train consumers to book direct. We can train consumers to do certain things. So if there's enough marketing prowess behind a subscription model for lodging, I think that you know eventually it'll become a viable uh, a viable way to sell to sell hotel rooms because I think 
part of the part of the issue here is the lack of visibility, right? We had you know very long um, periods of, of 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 bookings traditionally sixty days in advance. So truly, the the whole notion of on the books, right, which mm -hmm. is a, a very good notion of hotels, is a notion that I know what's going to happen before it happens, right? And and I think that's a little bit out the window. And people are trying to get that back somehow. And and subscription models could work somehow. Um, I'm not sure how. I, I, if if Hilton or Marriott or one of the big brands gets into it and puts a lot of the marketing dollars behind it, I think it, it can fly. Um, otherwise, I, I I find it difficult as mm -hmm. as consume as a consumer to go and prepay you know a bunch of money because even if with corporates didn't do that right those corporate mm -hmm. bookings mm -hmm. so so why would I as a consumer go prepay a lot of money I don't know mm -hmm. but I didn't answer uh, you know um, David's question which is. I do see that a lot of people are trying to work that angle. I think Selena is a good example of, of a brand that's tried to do that before the pandemic. Uh, let's see how well they do. I think, uh, I think they're, they're well-equipped to capitalize on that. Um, and the younger people, they, they're not afraid to travel, clearly. They're so, mm -hmm. so clearly, they, they may jump onto that. Daniela, what's your perspective? Fairly similar. I think subscription models is a nice idea, but in times like that, where money is tight to spend money on something that you never know you're going to get it in the end, uh, simply due to the situation, uh, is a bit difficult. In the long run, I would think that is a, an option, but you need to have a product for that. We are quite traditional leisure hotels, um, so you could possibly do that with weekend breaks and getaways and things like that. But then, of course, it will make your planning and your forecasting, which is difficult enough as it is. Pedro just explained the business on the books being that, basically. Um, how do you then do that? You know, you've sold so many coupons, vouchers, subscriptions, whatever. God only knows when it's going to hit you. Um, yeah. Of course, the cash flow is great because the money comes in. But by the end of the day, you also need to plan uh, economically your whole business year. And let's say it comes in in the beginning of the year. Hey, hey, you go and spend it. And then what you're doing with the rest of it when all everybody stays and not pay anymore in that sense. You know what I mean? Um, when it comes to, to nomads and people that can travel everywhere, I mean, basically due to the pandemic, we've all become these kind of people. And... Um, you need a product for that uh, once again and you need an environment for that and you can be as flexible as you want but there's just certain places that it might not be possible to work because you have thousands of kids running around screaming or something like that you know mm -hmm. which is like few hotels that we have for example so uh, so yeah um it is definitely from a marketing perspective it is a consumer group that i think has been highly underrated so far and if the pandemic brought anything remotely positive out, it's that we all realize, oh, God, yeah, that is actually a way of doing things. You don't need to be in a certain place anymore to do your job unless you work, obviously, in a big machine or something. But um, and, and I think that everybody needs to be aware of. I mean, we still have hotels that don't have good Wi-Fi or we're still hotel chains or hotels out there that make people pay for Wi-Fi. Yeah. We yeah, do, okay. for example, but not in Spain, of Very course. Good. But then you go, that's that's obviously that should be dead by now. Yeah. Great. Uh just I we have a question here from Lynn, but before we get there, Lynn, sorry, I don't mean to cut that one off. I just wanted to jump in on a comment to follow up from the questions here uh from Philip Winter. And he says that he can only agree that they've also seen a lot more nomads and remote workers in their hostels and budget hotels between lockdowns. So I think that's 
uh, very, very uh, confirming sentiment in that sense. It's very good. Um, now, again, Pedro, before we come to this slide, I'd like to just address Lynn's question here. Absolutely. Lynn, lovely to have you with us. Thank you for joining us. Um, her question is, when do you think that hotels will be ready to invest again in services or product solutions coming from external parties? Interesting question. Good one. Uh, Pedro, I'll start with you. So I, I can talk about our great hotels of the world experience, Please. right? Because we have a brand. It's a soft brand. Um, it's sort of a, uh, a paper use uh, model. And and we are seeing a lot of interest in sort of paper use model because a lot of the teams in hotels and sales and marketing have been reduced dramatically, right? Um, furloughs and a significant amount of layoffs. So people are looking to extend the brand with some 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 or to extend their sales teams and marketing teams with some sort of notion that they're not gonna have to dash out a lot of cash. Um, and by the way, on the guest centric side, we're still closing contracts of booking engines and websites and CRS and GDS. So so there's always people that are thinking a little bit ahead. Maybe they're unhappy with what they had. They're now going through the process and so on and so forth. But I would say that it's going to be a very, very small minority. And you really need to um, to look to look for people that are either well capitalized. I, I, our experience has been that people have, that traditionally have been more years uh, in the business are actually using this downtime. Sort of the young entrepreneurial people that showed up in the last, I would say, five to 10 years that mm -hmm. got into the hotel business and came from other industries, I think they're a little bit more more gun-shy right now because they weren't as well capitalized and probably they weren't thinking that far ahead. I don't know. That's been our experience. Okay, great. Let's, let's get to this next slide here, Pedro. What have you got here? So basically, I think uh, this shows a trend that we've been seeing over the last few months that, you know, uh, while in the beginning put a special cleaning program in place was sort of the high, the, the, the highest thing. It's now not the bottom, but very close to the bottom. And people are now looking at how, how can I drum up demand, right? How can I, how can I put new special offers and packages in place? What do I need to change in my sales and marketing strategy? Um, uh, interestingly enough, the local market lost importance uh, this, this month. So I think that because the winter is coming, and actually people don't get as much out um, that people are not, are not as confident that the local market is going to be able to, to get them through, uh, through this. And I also want to find out that renegotiate distribution partnerships went up from 8.4% to almost double, right? 14.3% and the same with upskilling the workforce. So, you know, people have, you know, the, the reality is people first had to put special cleaning programs in place. Then they had to adapt their rate structures to, you know, early booking, last minute, and so on and so forth. A lot of people have gone through that cycle already. And now they're looking at what can I do next? And what I can do next is, okay, let's go look at my distribution mix. How can I change this? How can I be more profitable, whether it's more direct or whatever, or renegotiating, you know, contracts with operators or whatever. And the second thing is, okay, I have this people, these people are at home. How, what can I do to train them on this, on a new reality that's going to come in? And, and I think that's very hopeful. Those are for me, very two hopeful signs that people have gone through the, the, the steps. And now we we're, we're now getting to another level of upgrading sort of the mentality within hotels. Mm -hmm. Excellent. I just want to bring uh, another question in or, or comment from an, an audience member, uh, Mark Fancourt, uh, who is based also in the US. Mark, lovely to have you here. Thanks for joining us. 
His uh, comment question is, would be interested in a comment from each of you in relation to lack of volume business across the market and profitability, given the reality of the amount of base that most hotels need to support demand and yield. Uh, Daniela, would you like to uh, approach that one? I've actually read it three times already, and I hope I understood the question. Um, it's a rather long sentence. Um, well, volume business, and it's also relative, you know, what is volume for one hotel is nothing for the other and, and vice versa. As I said earlier, I do believe that bigger meetings um, will come back maybe towards the end of 21, because I do think that um, people like to, to bring bigger crowds of people together again whereas smaller meetings won't. Um, obviously, crew business, when we talk about base business, um, it's been cut down over the years already anyway, because they, they work differently now, they fly differently now. So, you know, the, the crews that stay for days on end in your hotels, that, that don't happen anymore anyway, and that will go further down. I think leisure groups might be something that will come back uh, towards, again, the, the end summer or end of summer next year. Um, sport groups, I think, but that will not be so big. When we're really talking volume and you have a big hotel and you need to have three, four, five hundred rooms based business, I think big hotels will have it really, really difficult in the future, um, unless you are maybe one of the, the big theme hotels. But um, I think people will remain rather careful on getting together with too many people in one place. So I think the, the average size hotel, anything between 100 and 250, probably still be okay. But if I think I need to go into a hotel now where there's 1,500 other people walking through the lobby as I walk in, I'm not quite sure how confident I would be, even if I'd be vaccinated and all the rest of it. It's just a, a sentiment I think that we will keep for a few years till we're able to spread it again. Um, so you need to look for other business easier said than done obviously but um to to see with with maybe local companies uh if you know when they have employees that looking for apartments rather than than looking for apartments staying in hotels long stay business things like that but to replace volume based business that will be very very difficult mm -hmm. i no, I mean, I'm quite pleased my biggest hotel only has 320 rooms and that's difficult enough as it is. So uh, I cannot imagine what I would do if I had a, a big machine like that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, now, Pedro? Uh, my comment to Mark would be, uh, and I'm not sure if he's coming from this angle, but but I, I, I do believe that I have a, I know Mark, so maybe that's the yeah. angle. So, 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 so. I think one, one of the challenges that hotels have right now is that the volume of business that's going through their books is very low, which means it's really not a good signal to predict what's coming next, right? And one of the things that, and that's one of the reasons why we started the polls, right? And we started actually with sentiment, with sentiment data. And then we started with, with you know, sort of raw vault booking data uh, like, like we're sharing. Because one of the things that I, I do think is that we need to aggregate data so that, that people have a better view of what's happening in their markets. And uh, one of the things that we did on Guestcentric, but I don't want to pitch the, the, the company here, that's not at all what I'm trying to do, is, is we, we create a new dashboard that indicates the market, um, the market pickup. Um, because an individual hotel has so little bookings. I think this is a little bit of what Mark is saying. An individual hotel has so little bookings that it's hard to predict what's coming next and it's hard to price, it's hard to do all the revenue management techniques that traditionally people do. So I do think that uh, that, that sharing more de raw data in terms of, okay, November was 25% of 2019 and this is how, how it went day by day. 
I think that sort of information is important to put in, in hotel's hands so that they can make some decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, we also have a comment from our Hawaii viewer, uh, also just saying the, how their rates have dramatically dropped or many resorts are offering rates at uh, a fraction of what they would normally uh offer so even though we're still saying hold your rates hold your rates i think for many people the reality is very very different very different okay and, and that, 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 that kind of if, if you want to show just the slide that i put up is yep that, that's, that's sort of and this is something that we see typically in hoteliers that they think by dropping prices demand is going to come back if you look here it's not one of their big big concerns that that people have a much tighter budget today than they had before. So if the budgets are not tighter, then why do we need to drop prices? I, I really have a hard time understanding that. Uh, uh, you know, so I wonder, I, I wonder why people are 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 dropping prices when when we don't see um, when we don't see the consumer pressure at least yet in terms of the demand being you know a low cost demand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Let's. Uh, I when we're talking about rates and obviously occupancy levels, um, part of the report uh, from this month, I think in terms of sales and marketing priorities for the next 12 months, it seems like that hoteliers are prioritizing their own websites, which is obviously uh, a great thing to do anyway. Um, and the latest edition of the report, uh, Pedro, marks the highest ranking for the importance of direct bookings over the next 12 months. Um, so I guess a question for both of you, and we'll start with uh, Daniela. Why would this be the case in the industry generally, and and is this relevant that your to your region and what you're seeing in your area? Uh, yes and yes. Why is that relevant? I mean, again, if there's something good in the pandemic, maybe hoteliers finally do what they were all doing for the last few years and haven't done. So wake up call received, hopefully. Um, the other thing is also the, the technology. We had that earlier in a question uh, when it was like, will hoteliers be spending money? For example, I'm just looking at new IBEs for, for my hotel websites because I'm not uh, particularly happy with what we have. So I'm trying also to use that time to get new technology in place, better technology in order to get more direct business through um, our own websites. Um, and comes back to uh, what we had just now for the pricing. Um, it's not necessarily the hoteliers' ideas to slash their prices. It's often coming from their partners, um, not naming anything. <laughs> but I don't think I have to. Um, no, but of course, anyone needs to earn money. That's pretty clear. So, of course, we're asking for lower rates. But uh, we need to evaluate our partners. And contrary to what, uh, what many people are doing right now, I just stop for all my hotels, um, all gener generic discounts at all OTAs. Um, because I say I'm just not doing anymore. So that's it. It's my price and that's it. And then I'm not visible. I'm not getting booked. Okay, I can handle that problem. Um, so um, I think focusing on the own website was long overdue and looking around, including my own website, there's a lot of work to do. So we shouldn't get bored anytime soon. And uh, also I think social media uh, has been also neglected a bit by hoteliers. Um, they, they often still seem to think it's something modern and for the young people and whatever, but it replaces your whole guest relation. And, and guest relation used to be handled in a hotel lobby at a desk. 
and that desk is social media today. So it needs to be handled by hotels and uh, it needs to be handled well and, and efficiently and effectively. And uh, that is something where we also just started working with a new media agency and uh, you know, to, to go uh, improve our interaction on social media, which is appalling today. I can admit that freely. Um, and also to um, to look at what are you what am I doing in digital marketing? Where do I actually invest my money and what is my return? You know what am I bidding for? What ad business I'm doing and so on and so on. Hoteliers are often easily influenced when it comes to an area that is not their uh, home base. Let's say you know you, you will find it difficult to tell them anything about guest service in house or F and B because that's their bread and butter and they know that. But often money is spent where it should not be spent and it could be spent much better with a much higher return of investment. And I think take the time when it's a bit quiet now to really look at that where you spend your marketing money, who you spend it with. And I do believe there's always the option to, to buy in good services. If, if I buy in a service and I get something well in return, then I will always do that. So, um, so yeah. Now, obviously, this is a topic that's very dear to my heart. And Daniela, we, I, I couldn't agree more, right? It's uh, obviously, that's what we're in business for. We, we, we try to, you know, um, help independent hotels stay independent. And being independent means being, you know, independent. I, I can do everything on my own, including my getting my guests onto my website to book. So, so clearly, um, uh, that's important. I think that sort of... Um, uh, the silver lining on this is really that the direct the direct channel has been sort of the most resilient channel of all. We have seen a, a good performance of Booking.com in the last couple of months, so they have been pushing a lot of messaging out, a lot of marketing out, and the, and their booking uh, pace or their booking levels have increased in the last couple of months. But you can see here uh, quite uh, quite reasonably that the direct was the the one that fell. Uh, less and that grew faster back to normal. So mm -hmm. I think just like that happened in the first wave, the second, the same will happen in the second wave. So this is a good time to really look at your direct strategy. What are you doing? And it's not necessarily spending money on Google, right? Um, again, this doesn't mean about, you know, creating campaigns and spending a lot of money. Um, you know, there's companies like Eccentric. We have customers that have 50% direct bookings with zero spend on Google. So there are strategies that you can deploy on, on the organic side. Consumers are very astute. They know when they're on the on their official website. And uh, if you give them an incentive to book with you, that a lot of them will. Not all of them, right? But a lot of them will. And that may make a difference then in, in the in the hotel's bottom line. And and again, I think uh, as Daniela was saying, hopefully, you know, people woke up and smell and, and smell the coffee and, and they're saying, okay, you know what? Look at this line. It's growing faster and it's going higher than everybody else. So, so probably direct is not a bad channel to be in um, in these uncertain times. Yeah, yeah, Pedro. Given that you're obviously on both sides of the camp, almost here you, with great hotels of the world and guest centric, are you finding your hotels also reevaluating their IBEs like uh, Daniela is her, herself now? Is, is is that something that's taking a priority as? Really, it should be because think, there are so many bad ones out there. I think at the group level, so hotel groups are certainly doing that. I think because they they still have the staff to do that. I think independent hotels are struggling right now. Um, you know, just keeping people um, working. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of them are, are are really thinking very short term and 
And uh, we don't see a lot of, you know, smaller independent hotels thinking longer term, other than the ones that had a, a fantastic summer. And we see that too, by the way, that a lot of people that had a fantastic summer, um, the what I call the hinterland hotels, right? The, 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 the stuff that's sort of in the middle of nowhere, um, a lot of them are, are making investments now because they know this is a trend that's going to come, right? It's going to stay. A lot of people that used to travel abroad four times a, a year probably are going to travel abroad two times a, a year and escape within their countries two times a year, right? Yeah. And, and so, so, so those properties are really well positioned, I would say. But with with um, uh, and I know we're slightly digressing a little bit, but I think it's an important point to, to to keep on a little bit. A lot of the technology providers that are out there at the moment are making very uh, big efforts to accommodate accommodate hotels to upgrade their technology or to to service their their solutions. Um, even with that, why is there still this, in your opinion, and Daniela, the same question to you, even with so much opportunity there and, and flexibility from the providers, why is it that hotels are still cautious about doing this? What is it that's holding them back? You know, I was talking to a PNS partner of ours and, and, and they were saying, you know what, the, the rage now is contactless checking, right? And mm. I think, honestly, many of these hotels can only do one, one, one tech project at a time. Right, they I'm talking about IBA specifically. Right. And, yeah. and, and they think that it's a project and it's a nightmare because the last one was a nightmare. And they really, and the, the last one was 10 years ago. And tech has moved, you know, so far from what it was 10 years ago that these things are not these big projects anymore. But I think people are, st are still hurting from the last one, which was mm -hmm. 10 years ago. So they're doing one at a time. And, you know, now it's contactless check-in for the PNS. Maybe next year I'll talk about my website and then two years I'll change my booking engine. And, um, and I think, uh, Tech has come a long way, and I think what you guys do at Tech Talk Travel is really trying to push that message out that you know these things are not mega projects that you have to think about three right. times before signing on the dotted line. Mm -hmm. And also the fact that the vendors at the moment are very flexible and very willing to help you and work with absolutely. you, absolutely, absolutely, especially at this time, absolutely, so, yeah. Okay, excellent. Um, now, did you want to go over anything further on this slide, Pedro, or was uh, no, no, uh, no? I was just trying to highlight a little bit of what we what we were saying. Uh, I excellent. don't have any 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 agenda. <laughs> no, excellent. Okay, great. Well, we have uh, we've been going forty five minutes, so we have. Uh, let's say we can keep going for another ten minutes or so. If there's anything else you wanted to cover, any other slides you wanted to touch on? No, no. I think I think this is it. I think. Um, I, uh, so just to summarize, I, I think the sentiment is going in the wrong direction right now, but it's mm. very understandable. I do think that the, 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 the smarter groups are, are thinking, okay, how can I be better positioned when demand comes back? And what do I need to have in place to understand that demand is coming back, right? Yeah. So you, need, you, need, you need signals from the market and you need to have a strong sales and marketing machine that can be, you know, that can be boosted once those signals come in. And, yeah. and that means you need to have agile technology, right, on one hand, and you need to have agile people. So upskilling your workforce on what they can do and potentially upgrading your technology would be two good things to do in this downtime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have one other comment or, or, or note that I wanted to cover on that I noticed in the report, Pedro, that, you know, following a steady increase in hoteliers expecting to decrease ADR over the next 12 months. Yeah, uh, I don't have that here. Well. This current report 
if I understood correctly, marks that the biggest shift in the opposite direction is actually going in the opposite direction. Um, so, so what are your thoughts on ADR specifically, Daniela? Let's start with yourself. What are your thoughts on ADR and the potential impact on, on recovery? Well, that depends on if we're looking at prices or really ADR, because as I said earlier, and we seem to have a bit of a tradition of that in Southern Europe, as soon as, you know, a dark cloud is on the horizon, we slash prices, doesn't matter what the reason is for the dark cloud. So, and we have big, big chains going out there and say, we must lower prices, we must lower prices with two operators in order to get business here. And what is an independent hotel going to do? That they need to follow suit because they don't stand a chance in their competitive set otherwise but uh, and I would still what what we said earlier try to hold your prices but if you're the only one with high prices and demand is not enough for all the hotels in the comp set then you have no other choice you're forced to it you can only preach and preach to your colleagues out there to say don't don't do it yeah. but when we talk about development of ADR what we can always try to do and I think uh, Many hotels, especially in the leisure sector, have that uh, that opportunity change a business mix. Um, leisure travel comes through various channels. We talked about direct business. We talked about partners. So look at what you have in the hotel and see what you can actually change. Look at your contracts and look at the rates you, you've contracted. I think a big step what we're currently working on is moving away from fixed net rates. Finally, in the year 2021. <laughs> um, to, um, yeah, I thought that'd be that 15 years ago, but obviously I was wrong. Um, then move to dynamic rates. So first of all, save manual effort. You Use the people you have for something where they can use their brains and can work on strategy rather on on stupid manual work and and you know putting in rates somewhere and change the business mix and see where you can change it i think uh, average rate will obviously be lower than it used to be in the good years simply because we have that price problem but you can build it again and uh, by by simply well, not simply by changing the business mix and also trying to to hold moderate prices out there. As Petra suggested earlier, do added benefits, add-ons. Yeah, that's been said a million times before. I know that as well. But, but try to really do it and, and make sure the booking journey for the customer is easy. To capture the customer through, the, through, yeah, through a simple buying journey because I don't know how many websites I'm leaving when I'm really willing to spend money because the website annoys me and I don't buy that thing that I wanted because... It's just too much hassle. And I find that there's a lot of hotels out there, and I'm not excluding myself here at this moment in time, where that is very similar. So the easier you are to buy for the customer, the, the better your chances are to get bought at a decent price. Because if my booking experience is easy and it's simple and the payment works and everything is fine, I'm quite happy to spend a few euros more for yeah. that but but again it comes back to this whole point really we did we, we shouldn't have had covid to to to, to make people realize this right i mean yeah, that is this world history i'm sorry but there's you always need something like that that won't change yeah yeah well let's hope this is the catalyst then <laughs> yeah but uh, so going back to your point earlier on adr this is sort of the the uptick that we see there at the end of november so this yeah. is the expectation is it positive or negative on direct bookings, marketing, spend, and ADR. And actually, from the beginning of the crisis, hoteliers have been worried that ADR is going to decrease significantly, right? And apparently, in this uh, latest Pulse report, 
uh, people were a little bit more solid on ADR. We've been sharing a lot of hard data on ADR where we actually, the bookings um, didn't, uh, the ADR didn't decrease that much in, 20, in 2020. And I think we need to talk about those things that people were able to have results by not you know, lowering their prices so that people build the confidence that they don't need to, to drop their prices. And I agree with Daniela. Often it's not the hotelier, but we know who they are, the account managers at some of the OTAs and some of the tour operators that call them and say, oh, if we, if we had you know, 30% off, we would sell a lot. Right. And people are dying to get business and they, they get, you know, scammed by that because the business is not going to come. The same business would come at five off or actually with, you know, an automatic upgrade to the to the superior room, which is empty anyway. Right. So mm -hmm. so so there's a lot of stuff that can be done instead of uh, because as soon as you go low, low on price, uh, coming back is difficult. Yeah, exactly. That's always the issue. It's it's always trying to bring them back, and uh, it's it's like this old adage, isn't it? History just constantly seems to be repeating itself. <laughs> yeah. it, indeed, it is. <laughs> All right. Well, then, um, I think, folks, we'll leave it at that. Uh, it's been lovely discussing this with you, Daniela. Thank you so much for taking time to join us on this session. We we really appreciate. You're, you're doing thank that you. and having the time. So thank you so much. And Pedro, it, it, it's always a pleasure talking to you and, and, and seeing you, my friend. Uh, let's, hope, let's hope that next time uh, we'll have better numbers to report. Uh, let's well, I'm very curious about uh, how the early bookings in January are going to look like. I'm, I'm yeah. truly curious. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, now let me get that screen sorted. There we go. All right, folks. Well, then, uh, everybody that's tuned in, thank you so much. We really appreciate you taking the time. And everybody that made some questions and comments also uh, really appreciate the, you, you doing so. And uh, until next time, which will probably be next year, I'd say, uh, we'd like to wish you all a very merry, merry Christmas and a, and a safe and happy new year. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, until next time. Merry it's, Christmas, everybody. Bye for now. Bye. bye.